0: Let the words of my lips and the meditation of our hearts be acceptable to you, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. I'm just glad that everybody got the memo that church started at 9 and not 10:15. We'll see probably as communion's ending. Um, who did not get the memo? Glad y'all made it. Uh, I want to tell y'all three stories that point to, I think, all share a different element of the same truth and something that I think is helpful to remember especially right now. The first, yesterday morning, I was lucky enough to get together with about 20 uh, others from our community, maybe a few more, as we partnered, um, we participated and led our second Canucarus, I uh, want y'all to remember, you heard it here first. I'm claiming that word. Um, we partnered with the Cahaba River Society. We floated up the little Cahaba and, and we read scripture and we prayed and then we flipped over a canoe and used it as an altar to break bread and share wine. One of the gifts of this trip is, is we got to have two of the staff of the Cahaba River Society join us, uh, including one of the retired members, who's also a scientist. And so Randy, at our our final stop, when we jumped out of the boats, he reached down next to my foot and flipped over a rock. And he pulled these two little black objects about the size of a quarter. They were the larva of a dragonfly, a special kind of dragonfly, Um, the dragon slayer. How cool is that, eats other dragonflies. And he held up this larva and then he pulled out its tongue, which some of the tongues can be half as long as the body. And, and I cannot believe I'm going to share this part, but I, I was challenged to figure out how to get it into a sermon. So he pointed out that the, 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 this, this dragonfly larva, it lives, it lives under the water for almost five years, and up north even longer than that. And it it doesn't have gills. Randy showed us. Instead, um, it it breathes, uh, um, yes, uh, from its derriere. <laughs> and and if it gets nervous or anxious, it can actually propel air out to like jet it through the water to get away. Which I, this is the coolest description of any animal that I've ever heard of. But. I, And then he shared that dragonflies only live above the water for a month or two. Most of its life is spent lived in the water. Now, I share all this, I've spent a little bit of time on this section, but what it reminded me is that there is this whole story taking place underneath the surface that I'm completely oblivious to. Completely oblivious. I mean, I think of both kind of images from this story. One, there's all of this rich story taking place that we don't see. But then this metaphor as well that, that like the dragonfly also emerges to experience life in this profound new way. And most of its life is missing everything that is taking place above the surface. I, mean, I love this image that there's all this beauty that's taking place that we're missing. The second story is a little bit older, although I think it's probably a frequent experience that many of us have. Um, I was a long time ago an exchange student at the University of Wales in Swansea and I, I arrived on campus a few weeks before the semester was to start. And, and they brought all the American exchange students from around the country. Um, to, to gather a few weeks before for our orientation and all of that. And I remember walking into the refectory, and my eyes met these two guys from Iowa. One had spiky black hair and was the former star high school running back and his surfer-looking friend with blonde hair, both using product that, um, and wearing tighter-fitting clothing than I was accustomed to. And they had that air of the proto-typical jock, horse-playing around with enough confidence that didn't make any sense to me. And I could tell right away that these guys were the antithesis of everything that I stood for, and their very presence was a damper to my Welsh cultural experience. (laughs) And I wondered if my face was telling the same story. I mean, don't we have this incredible ability to figure everybody out just by looking at them. And I suspect most of y'all know where this is going. Sometime in the next few weeks, sometime between that experience in the refectory and before the semester actually started, something changed and these obnoxious, peacocking, Abercrombie and Fitch models turned out to be pretty down to earth. A huge pivot for my granola eating, patchouli wearing friends from Indiana. And they ended up being my best friends for the next few months. The final story was from earlier this week and a friend was walking through our office and she was telling me about our recent, um, we hosted the Diocesan Program for Young People Paint Birmingham. And I'm like, you know, Jen, tell me about this. How was it? And she goes, you know, it was incredible retroactive fun. Like retroactive fun, what are you talking about? You know, the kids work really hard painting houses and doing meaningful work and just complain about how difficult and horrible it is. And then the next day, they're telling their friends and family about this wonderful experience and the friends that they've met. (laughs) Retroactive fun. But it's true. We don't always understand the beauty and the power of the moment we're in until we see it with fresh eyes and something new that gives us a different understanding of what we've gone through. Now each of these illustrations share a a different point of a connected truth. The world that we live in, the people we encounter, and even our very experiences are all, they're not the entire story, they're more complicated and they're often more beautiful than we initially recognize. And maybe it's something within our design that we don't see. We don't see that everything that God has done, that even that God is doing, or even that God wants us to see. Now, I love the story of the transfiguration, and and it's landed on on a Sunday, so we get to experience it in, in, in church today. This account from Luke, where Peter and James and John go up the mountain. And they're with Jesus, and the text says, and this is, I mean, this is like right out of a movie. Jesus' face was changed, and his clothes became dazzling white. And then they see two men, Elijah and Moses, talking with Jesus. And a cloud comes, and the voice reminds them, That they're not meant to spend the entirety of their experience up on the mountain, but they're to go down and continue in this work of following Jesus. It is a wild and mystical story, and it might be true. But consider this they see the mountain as they hadn't seen it before, they see Jesus as they hadn't seen him before. And they move from being terrified to hopefully a more clear trajectory and some comfort in the work that has to happen ahead. They learn to see their experience differently. I often think the challenge of the church is to communicate in a meaningful way the power of God to have agency in our lives to answer the question, how is this very life that I'm trying to live faithfully, how is it changed by our faith? Gathering week in and week out, I mean, we gather here in the hope that something is happening, that our hearts, that our lives, that our eyes are being changed. The transfiguration, maybe it's Maybe it is about God's profound ability to change our narrative, a powerful truth for those that long for a story to be different. But the less mystical way of telling the story seems just as plausible and maybe just as powerful. The disciples learn to see things that they hadn't seen before, to see Jesus in a new way. To see their experience in a new way. To see what they hadn't realized was there all along. Maybe the transfiguration is a reminder that there is more in this world than we initially see. There is more in each other than we often want to see. And there is more in our experiences than we can comprehend. And that being faithful is being open to something more. Maybe one of the reasons that that we come here is because what feels like often our experience of outside this world is so difficult. I mean, think of the anger that exists in this world, the discontent that we seem to hold for each, each other far too easily, the frustration, the sadness, the despair for the world we are creating. Maybe a faithful response is to be courageous and believing that there is more to everything than we realize, and we just haven't seen what God wants us to see yet. Hope is believing that we may not have seen it all until we have. Being hopeful, being faithful, is the comfort of looking around and recognizing that God is still uncovering what you and I are supposed to see and know. Thanks be to God.